All right, so uh, let's do the show then, I think. This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. There's sleazeballs abound all over the Internet who will be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome to the J. Silent Rob podcast. Episode who gives a shit. Tuesday, January 19th. 16th, 2020. J. Swat. I want to ask you something, dude, that we didn't talk about pre-show, but I, I want to get your take, dude. This is a setup. Are you a narc? This is this episode is, 19. Go ahead. Freaking narc. This is bigly, bigly narc-related. Altuve buzzer talk. Have you seen this? I have. This is, uh, I'm getting pictures from people. Um, how is this such a secret? Has this happened? Uh, I don't know. I want to believe it's real. Uh, yeah, crazy. Very crazy. Black Sox scandal. This is, this is wild. This is wild. I want, I, I want to believe it. I want to believe, believe it. Especially. Too. Especially since the Orioles completely re- <laughs> redid everything to be in the Astros <laughs> mold, and maybe they're missing an ingredient yeah. that might explain why we lost 110 games last year. But <laughs> that's for another pod. <laughs> it was that the buzzer. Um, yeah, this stuff with the taking the jersey off. Is that really his niece? Is that fake niece Twitter? I don't know, dude. It's it's pretty wild, but it's super, super bad for baseball. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's freaking wild, man. Freaking wild. Uh, I made money off of it, so I'm not too upset about it. But if I was on the or a Dodgers fan, I'd be pretty heated about that, too, probably. Yeah. Uh, um, I'd also probably be pretty angry at my life if I was a Dodgers fan, but that's another pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but um, yeah, we might have a little scandal on our hands. And I mean, three managers. I also love Carlos Beltran, so that was kind of unfortunate that he has lost his managerial job. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he's guilty as heck and he's crud. I don't know. But I don't know. Growing up, I always liked watching him play. Yeah. yeah so, dude, I'm thinking that the that in punishment the opposing team they get little buzzers and they get to buzz and it but it hurts though and they get to buzz the Astros for like a whole season. like ten you get a little, you get ten little little shockies per game <laughs> the managers holding the little little buzzer. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. That'd be some old fashioned Southern justice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that is wild. I, uh, I, I'm eager to see how that unfolds. Um, but yeah, on a lighter note, I, uh, we talked about this pre-show, just got done coaching first middle school basketball game of the year. We were undefeated, we won by 20 points, played everyone. Kid at the end, uh, did get a twisted ankle. He was crying. Uh, we will update on that, but we won. We moved on to game two. We're ready. It's very similar to kind of opening scene Friday Night Lights. Booby Miles gets hurt. I got to, you know, rally the troops, even though we might lose a, a good player. But that's just what we do as coaches. We carry on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great feeling being undefeated, winning, executing. Uh, I'm excited to be at school tomorrow. 
Um, just excited for the boys. Really am. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's good to have something in my life other than gambling. I'm coming to terms with that. Uh, but gambling is also really fun too. So let's get yep. to the important things in life, which is, um, throwing darts at, uh, the outcomes of arbitrary outcomes of games. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> did you watch, uh, what occurred in New Orleans last weekend? I did. Monday. Thoughts, feelings, give it to me straight. You know I lost money on this, but just give it to me straight. I did. I was thinking early in the game, I was like, damn, Jay, Jay maybe knew something. Clemson team looked pretty good. They were, like, moving the ball on offense, looked reasonably, you know, uh, the, the defensive matchup didn't look so bad. LSU got off to a, a kind of a slow offensive start. Um, but over time, the polish difference between the quarterbacks, I thought was it. It just seems like, um, Sunshine over at Clemson just hucks the ball. It did, did not show a lot of, it didn't look like an NFL quarterback. Burroughs, Burroughs still does. I thought that was the difference. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I still like my analysis. Um, Please do yourself a favor and listen to the part of my take uh, interview of Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron. They did it like so. Joe Burrow slept in past his ESPN fucking radio because he was like drunk or whatever, and they were like banging on his door, and he was just like, "I'm no, I'm not doing that." But he, he like he met up with fucking PFT and uh, Big Cat. Like, just to say hi, and then they end up just doing an interview. He's drunk, they're drunk, it's fucking gold. And he, wow. like, admitted that, that uh, Odell Beckham gave him cash. And it's like ESPN <laughs> and all these other other news stations are, like, reporting. They're like, quote, yeah, I'm not a student athlete anymore, so I could say it was cash. Yeah, he gave me cash. Like, <laughs> their source is fucking uh, part of my take, which is fantastic. But, yeah, it's a great interview. Um, Ed Orgeron is just – you have homework to do. Find out what Ed Orgeron um, calls uh, the sun. I don't know if you, you picked up on this, but the, the, the I'll just tell it to you just because it's so good. But the Raymaker, he, <laughs> he refers to it as the Raymaker. And people like Joe Burrow, first couple of weeks at LSU, thought he was talking about a player. They were like, yeah, that Raymaker, it'll get you, man, that Raymaker. And Coach was explaining, no, no, nah, nah, the, the sun rays, man, it gets on you, man. They, they make the rays, it gets on you real quick. And it's like, he's just a national treasure. I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I read a book, Meat Market, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago when, when uh, Coach Orgeron was the coach at Old Miss. And talked about him recruiting, and they almost got Joe McKnight, who's the number one overall recruit, and he's just like this larger-than-life person. So I've been very – I mean, it's quite literally the reason why I almost went to Ole Miss. Uh, so I, I've been very fortunate to be following Edward Drawn for such a long time, and, and I, even the amount of money I lost on this game, I was still so happy for him and Joe Burrow. I mean, just a magical season. Uh, they were the best team. Um, I do think the game was actually closer than uh, – in the score, 42-25. I mean, they did blow them out in the second half. There's no doubt about that. But there was a couple of major leverage plays, three that come to mind, that Clemson could have could have easily gone Clemson's way. Like I so said, I'm not saying any one of these reasons is why they lost because LSU was the better team. 
But they had a, a third and 19, LSU did, that they threw a pass, and then Clemson's fucking defensive back, like, tackled the guy and got a pass. I mean, he earned a pass interference. It was clearly a pass interference. But that's a huge leverage play. There was a third and 11 screen that LSU got. Both of those uh, they scored a touchdown on. And then there was that pass interference that wasn't called. Or, excuse me, that offensive pass interference that was called against Clemson, which was not an offensive pass interference at all. Um you know, two of those three go the other way. Clemson's very easily in the game. But your analysis on Sunshine, and really it was the offensive line. The deep pressure for LSU um, was unbelievable. They're the better team. And one of the things I love about the interview with Joe Burrow is they were talking about, they're like, were you nervous at all? Like when you were down 10 points? They're like, no, not at all. He said, we just knew we were the better team and we were just going to keep doing it. And I don't know, it's one thing to hear that, like if you read those quotes, I don't know how much it was, but what's great about podcasts like ours is just when you hear the voice, you know, you like hear the way he was saying it, and in all seriousness, the way, way he was saying it, like you're like, well, yeah, he was actually serious, they they were 100% confident, and uh yeah, so everyone, I highly recommend, do yourself a favor and listen to that interview. Um, it's also remarkable that they got that interview of both of those people less than eight hours after winning the national title, like that's a very coveted interview. That is interview. wild, too. That is uh, wild. Yeah, and and Burrow after he won the Heisman, I think he did the same thing. He did an interview with them like the the morning after. So, um, quite hilarious that those guys have the type of access they do uh, when they are very self deprecating and not taking themselves too seriously and, and making sports very very uh, joy joyful, which we aim to do as well. Obviously, from more of, of a gambling angle, but um, yeah, I mean even even the amount of money I lost, I could have hedged. I didn't. I, I was looking to, but the odds I got were were not even that good. They were up ten. They were Clemson was barely a favorite. So I, I don't know. I rolled with it. I still like the decision. This is gambling. You know, you, you make plus EV decisions, and you're not going to win all the time. Better team won. It's all good. It, the, the bet only had to win about uh, you know thirty percent of the time for it to be positive EV. I still think thirty percent of the time, given the information we had before, uh, Clemson wins. Uh, it's fun. It's gambling. Um, uh, this year was more about kind of honing in my circle of competence. I, I, I have honed in that it's going to be NFL and college basketball next year. Uh, but hey, it was a lot of fun. Good for Ed Orgeron. Good for Joe Burrow. Good for the state of Louisiana. Uh, go Tigers. Anything you want to talk about before we move on to the NFL? This is probably somewhere in our show notes. What did, uh, what did you have on LSU preseason? LSU's preseason? Oh, wow. Um, I can look that up. Here. You know, you and your narkness just dropping shit on me. Uh, I, I can look that up. Why don't we talk about the Ravens-Titans uh, game? And you give me your two cents on that, and I'll pull that up when I had preseason on that. Yeah, Ravens-Titans. Um, the Ravens lost. Everyone loved the shit out of them. What was the line on that? Uh, ten, ten and a half, some places. Let's see. I have a hard time reconciling that that line is ten or ten and a half. Um, and the NFL is supposed to be like by far the sharpest market. To me, this that's a that's a clear indication of of non sharpness of inefficiency in the betting market that this game came the way it did. It was such a frustrating game for the Ravens. Um, I don't know how the Titans defense looks so good, but. Derrick Henry is the truth, the answer. I don't know if he'll take it all the way, but Jesus Christ, man, what a beast to watch. Yeah, well, that is a very, you know, common 
average person response, which is what I was looking for. Because what you saw is if there's a thousand simulations, you probably saw 95th percentile, 98th percentile of like what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And, to, I, and honestly, to everybody, that's exactly what it looked like. And, but the thing is, is those things compound. So the Ravens had 530 yards of offense. Uh, the Titans had 300. Um, turnovers, they had three official turnovers. They also had three turnovers on down, so it's six turnovers. Um, they punted, Ravens only punted once. <laughs> like, uh, it was just, it was honestly, the game script was just so terrible. Um, the Ravens obviously did not come out looking sharp, but they just had some just unbelievably major leverage um, individual plays happen, whether it be on third or fourth down or just drops that turned into turnovers or whatever it may be. Uh, also, game script-wise, the Ravens uh, are a good team, good offense no matter what, but they're even better when they're uh, ahead in the game because the clock w- works like almost as an ally because they run the ball so much. And the Titans are identical in terms of how they play. So they play so much better from ahead. Um, their fucking quarterback had 88 yards passing, <laughs> which is pretty insane. Uh, he made he made a couple, you know, good throws. I'll say that. But he was 7 for 14 for 88 yards. Um, this is just a classic case of everything went wrong from a leverage uh, perspective. Uh, 0 for 4 on fourth downs for the Ravens where they were. So on the year, they were 8 for 8 on fourth and 1. They were zero, uh, 0 for 2 in that game. Uh, just just any anything that could go wrong went wrong. Um the Ravens are going to be fine next year. They should be – them and the Chiefs most likely will be the two Super Bowl favorites. Uh, it's just that one game of football is extremely random. Turnovers are the, the biggest indicator of a winner in uh, in football. And, they, you know, they essentially had six to zero. And that's just – you're never going to win a game that way. So uh, there's, you know, a thousand narratives. One, like you're saying about inefficiencies in the betting market, the, the, the betting market, the, the line was sharp. If anything, the line might have been a little low. The Ravens maybe should have been favored. I didn't bet on the Ravens because I had tons of futures on the Ravens, uh, which, you know, went down the shitter. But luckily I had leveraged them. I had more money on the, the Chiefs. And I stupidly looked at that look ahead line of the Ravens Chiefs, and even though I like the Chiefs, I said, "Oh man, the Ravens are going to be that big of a favorite. Let me take my Ravens positions before this game because there's no way they lose to the Titans, right?" Mm. Um, obviously, this occurred, but um, anyone that tells you anything other than this was just a, a completely outlier uh, game, uh, they just don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but yeah, that's that's so what one of the weirdest games of the playoffs. One of the weirdest games of the last five to ten years, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I would I would really say that it was just an unbelievable. All of those events had to have happened. I mean, you also had the Titans first touchdown. The guy somehow didn't get a foot or anything in bounds. He just perfectly laid in bounds as he made this unbelievable catch. Derrick Henry did a, a perfect jump pass at, at his at the pinnacle of his his jump. He releases the ball. I mean, it just everything went perfect for the Titans. It was unbelievable. They had one play action pass that went for 45 yards after a turnover. That was their biggest long play. I mean, you take that play all that one touchdown out. Tannehill has 40 yards passing. I mean, that's insane. 
It's absolutely insane. Derrick Henry is a god, there's no doubt about it, but his type of, you know, that offense only is so deadly from ahead. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, hey, they won the game. They also came in with a game plan. You know, they were like, we know we need to play this type of game to win, and they did, and they executed good for them. Um, but but really, it was just an outlier. It was a complete outlier. What do you uh, think about us. their game plan with respect to the Titans are the only – Weirdly, the only thing I can remember from the beginning of the season, like what are the possible outcomes for each of these teams and each of these divisions, you mentioned them having a high floor but a low ceiling, so like kind of a tight right. band in which they were going to be. So right. when, you, when you say you're complementing their game plan, are you complementing – is it is it along that same theme where they're like the game has to go along X, Y, and Z narrative in order for us to have a chance? It's got to stay within Correct. these bands. Correct. Well, that, that was also twofold. One that you just talked about, and just in terms of the style and play in which they do, just because passing the ball is so efficient, it's much more efficient, and it gives you a higher ceiling. Uh, just because uh, the upside of so, if you're first and and your own first and ten at your own twenty, uh, you know, a pass is so much more likely. I mean, not it's not a likely outcome, but it's much more likely than a running play. Uh, to go 50 yards, right? A running play, maybe that happens 1% to 2% of the time. A pass play, that happens maybe 5 to 6% of the time. That doesn't seem like a lot, but that really is a lot. Mm-hmm. So the upside of passing is so much more. Um, the other part was they didn't have a quarterback. So they had Marcus Mariota at the beginning of the year who could not throw the ball at all. They had, they traded for Ryan Tannehill at the beginning of the year. And then he comes kind of out of nowhere week seven, week eight, and then gives them at least a threat of throwing. He's not an amazing quarterback by any stretch, but at least he gives them a threat of throwing. So there's more respect that they have to give, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that that's where their floor actually did. So that statement was made when they had Marcus Mariota. Um, but now that they have uh, an actual threat at quarterback, their ceiling is raised. Their, their ceiling mm-hmm. is raised. So, um, but yeah. Preseason odds for LSU, I'm seeing some places 33 to 1, 50 to 1. Uh, Damn. Yeah, been really nice if I would have leveraged that out. Uh, but uh, it's all good. Good for them. They won. They deserve it. And honestly, they're the most impressive team I've seen in a while. Maybe maybe the best Alabama teams maybe compete with them, but good on them. Good on them. Uh, next, moving to the other Saturday games, San Francisco versus Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is just not a good team. Uh, San Fran just dominated, had the extra rest. Vikings could never run the ball, established the run, really just had nothing on offense. San Francisco, a much better team. They handled them 27 to 10. Uh, the other game, did you get to see the Kansas City uh, Texans game? I turned it off when the Texans were up. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I actually had a date, a, a uh, Tinder date. Yeah, that, I that, I was taking the train there to meet this woman, and I get a text saying, uh, "Wow, Texans Titans in the AFC Championship game." I go, "What?" It was like five minutes into the game, so I look. The Texans are up fourteen nothing. I'm watching the game. I get to the bar. I get there a little early before the the woman does. I'm watching, uh, you know, next play. Okay, hey, Chiefs, stop them. Texans are going to punt it. All right, nice. They put Tyreek Hill on this punt return. Tyreek Hill then proceeds to fumble the ball. Texans get the ball. It's 21 nothing. I just turn it off, and I'm like, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm like on this date. The game's on in the background. <laughs> this is the date I told you about it didn't go well. I wonder why. 
Um, so anyway, so I'm like slowly seeing in the background. They come back, score 28 points, unanswered points, then the half, uh, go up 28, uh, uh, to 24 going in half, end up winning a game 51 to 31. And this is really the, the tale of two, two teams. So the, between the Ravens and the Chiefs, and this is the point I was making, A, the experience that Patrick Mahomes has, really just getting his heart broken last year from the Patriots. And he, they really did get buttfucked the way that they lost the Patriots last year. And B, the upside of being able to pass the ball. Lamar Jackson is way better runner. They have a dynamic offense with the Ravens. But in game scripts where you have to come back, being able to throw the ball the way Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs can, you're never out of a game. And this was just this was just Exhibit A with it. Um, luckily, or you know, sarcastically, luckily, I was so gun shy and focused on this date that I didn't live bet the Chiefs, and they're down twenty four nothing, which is my own damn fault. Um, but I, I had plenty of money invested in them already, so it, it was fine. But um, but yeah, I mean that that's what we mean by being able to pass the ball. You just you can score so much quicker. Um, you're never out of a game. Whereas the Ravens, you know, when Pat, when Lamar Jackson was forced to throw, he, he just couldn't do it. And, he, and, and without the threat of running, the defense could key on him passing, and they picked him off uh, several times. So, uh, so yeah, Chiefs, they're, they're clearly the best team remaining. Um, if you don't have money on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, I would go put some money on it now because – this team doesn't win it this year. They're never going to win it. They're they they just they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, the other teams there there's all major holes with the, the four main teams. There's all major holes, and if they can't do it in these two games, then um, then not yeah. Poor Andy Reid. He's never going to get a victory. Uh, and then the last game, uh, Packers Seahawks. Packers came out hot. They, they, there's a trend with them that their first 15 plays of their offense are scripted. They're very good, but after those 15 plays, they're not so good. Uh, quite frankly, I think they just beat a, a not-so-good Seahawks team. They're playing at Lambeau Field with the, the extra pie. They only won by five. The door was left open for Russell Wilson, but neither of those two teams are, are, are too good, for me, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all i got to say about that. Uh, but, yeah, anything about the four games jump out to you, Rob, before we kind of take a look at these, these two games uh, coming up this week? No, I think we covered it. Sweet. Okay, so first we have Tennessee at Kansas City. Kansas City is a seven to seven and a half point favorite. I think they're going to close seven and a half. Uh, yeah, I think Kansas City is the best team. I think the ten- I think Tennessee has, has drastically improved. Uh, but uh, thir- three straight r- road games. Hey, if, if Tennessee beats Kansas City, that means they went to New England, beat New England. They went to Baltimore, they beat Baltimore, and they went to Kansas City and beat Kansas City. So if they beat them, they earned it. Uh, but I just think Kansas City's passing attack is just so deadly. Uh, if there's a scenario where Tennessee goes up big early, like we just talked about Kansas City, not only do they have the, the talent, they also should have the confidence since they just came back last, uh, this past week. Uh, yeah, I got Kansas City. Uh, I, I have so much money invested in on futures, I don't have anything with the spread, but if I didn't have anything invested, I'd take the spread, I'd take them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, ChiefsAllDay.com. Uh, next, Green Bay at San Francisco. I, I mean, this is very chalky, but I, I just think Green Bay is wildly overrated. Uh, San Francisco is just a much more talented team. Green Bay has a better quarterback, but, but it's actually not. That, Aaron Rodgers isn't as elite as he, he once was. Uh, rookie coach going against Kyle Shanahan at home. I just – real chalky, folks. But, uh, yeah, like San Francisco in this one, they're 7.5. I wouldn't bet it. I have futures on them, though, to win the NFC. 
So I'm uh, invested in that. I do not like the seven and a half because the total is only four forty six and a half. Uh, but in terms of to win the game, I, I I do like San Francisco quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I could give some bullshit narratives, but I, I just think both those teams are, are clearly the best. Any thoughts there, Rob? Uh, are you going to be rooting for any underdogs? Tennessee, maybe? Um, not really, dude. We said to see this, this, uh, ChiefsAllDay.com thing is pretty, pretty real. No, um, not really. Tennessee's just not, like, besides, uh, besides Derek, not that fun to watch. No, I'll, um, I'll look for any, any, um, kind of broken narratives, but no, I don't really care about any of these teams. Nice, nice. All right. Well, that's pretty much that for that. Um, moving on to the hardwood. Um, the college, the, the tournament this year is going to be absolutely bananas. Uh, they are, I thought Duke was the best team. I still, if I had to pick one team, I'd say Duke or Michigan State. Michigan State lost by 30, uh, at Purdue. And Duke lost by like eight at Clemson. Uh, Purdue's a respectable team. Clemson, but losing by 30 is embarrassing. And then Clemson probably won't make the tournament. Um, but yeah, this is a wild year. I, I'm just, what, it, what I think we're going to capitalize with is, and one team I would take a look at for futures is maybe a West Virginia, because you could probably still get a 40, maybe 50 to 1. They're very likely to get a 1 or at least a 2 seed. Uh, but we're going to look for a team that maybe gets hot in February. And if this, if I, you know, I have certain things I look for in terms of a team being really, you know, can win in the tournament or not. And if they check those boxes and they're ascending in the right direction, we're, I'm going to fire on some of these futures because it is wide open. It is really wide open. There's no juggernauts. Um, Ken Palm has Kansas rated at, at a 29.35. Um, just to give you context, that would be the sixth best team last year. So right now that's the number one team. That would be the sixth best team uh, last year if you looked at his rankings. Um, the notes I have on Kansas is they are a very good team. They just don't have really good point guard play. I mean, point guard play is a major thing come tournament time. Obviously the person who touches the ball the most. Um, I'd still say Duke's the best team. I think Michigan State also could end up being the best team just based on uh, what they bring back. And their experience and coach level, and also they're going to play in the best conference. But right now it's just status quo. ACC is, is really bad for their standards. Like North Carolina is not going to make the NCAA tournament, which is pretty crazy. Um, Big Ten is by far the best team in, um, or excuse me, best conference in basketball. They have the no, they have the the highest win percentage for a home team. So. Out of the 32 conferences in college basketball, they're number one in home win rate. They're at 85% of the home team's win. So 36 of 42 uh, games so far, the home team has won. That just speaks to the balance of the conference. Uh, like I said, I'd probably say Michigan State is the most elite team. Uh, everyone else is kind of in that tier two to tier three. And the difference between that is usually three to four points, which is pretty much home court advantage as well. So... That's why you're seeing so many home victories, uh, angles of that nature. Like I said, ways to bet on that is just a team looks really bad. We, one game, uh, get ready to get on in the next game because, um, you know, don't let one game trick you in terms of viewing the whole team uh, because it's just such an incredibly small sample. Um, Big East is actually a pretty good conference this year. Uh, I, I do not bet the Big East, but all – 
of their members are in the top 100. Actually, the lowest rated on Ken Palm is 82. So a very well-balanced uh, league. Big 12 currently has uh, two – excuse me, they have the number one, number three, number four teams in Ken Palm. Uh, I've also seen them be the th- – Two number one seeds and a number two seed, which for the Big Ten or Big Twelve is really impressive since they only have ten teams. Um, so, so yeah, they, they've definitely ascended to the top. Baylor, Kansas, and West Virginia, and then the Pac-12. I still think Oregon, uh, Arizona was was somewhat impressive last week, uh, but I do still think Oregon might be is still the best team. Stanford's four zero. They haven't really beaten anyone, but they're fifteen and two on the year, undefeated in the conference. Um, they might be worth a look. They have a hell of a freshman, and uh, haven't watched them play back and go on a limb here and say they're probably a smart basketball team. <coughs> but other than that, it's pretty much uh, status quo. Maryland sucks on the road. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Is there anything else you want to get into? Anything you want to share about this upcoming weekend, Rob, or should we just say that for no. the show? No, you said that. No, um, are there any weird deltas between... Ken Palm and Haslametrics that are jumping out to you lately. Um, I have not run my. I, I've been busy uh, preparing for my middle school basketball battle today. Mm-hmm. So I admittedly have not updated my rankings since this past weekend. Uh, but there are there are some some deltas uh, to be aware of. Stanford being one of them. Uh, but they're slowly climbing in chem palm, so the difference. So, for example, they're they're 20th in in Haslametrics, but 35th in Stanford. Or excuse me, in in chem palm. Um, you're starting to get teams are starting to get identities though, in terms of uh, home road splits. Purdue's home road splits, just like the, all of the Big Tens, is pretty massive. Um, but these teams are starting to kind of separate themselves. They, each passing day, Haslametrics is looking some more and more to like Kempom, and the reason is that because of that is is Kempom's data is burning off the early season projections game by game. So the percentage that impacts Kempom's ratings uh, uh, gets burnt, so it gets less and less as the year progresses. I mean, the priors still matter. But they they are getting less and less. Whereas Haslametrics takes everything just from raw data this year, mm-hmm. so that's, it would make sense. They're getting closer and closer. That cool. being said, we do have we do have some some deltas, um, and uh, I'll be sure to to share those. I like to I don't like to update my rankings too too much because then you're kind of you're getting too wishy washy, and you're letting one or two games affect your sample too much. That being said, you do want to factor in momentum. Uh, but yeah, I still haven't done my analysis for my Saturday picks, which are which are about fifty percent of my picks usually for the week. Uh, but but that's that's a big angle we do. Uh, I will say I will be on Michigan State tomorrow. Um, so if you're hearing this, folks, go ahead and lay the wood tomorrow uh, with Michigan State after an embarrassing loss last week uh, by thirty points to Purdue. But that that's a that's a good angle. Um, and just to give you a, a, a analytical, so that's not just a narrative based, but Michigan State was the third best team, ranked team in Kempom before uh, their blowout loss, and now they're the seventh ranked team. So they were their power ranking was like a 26, 27, and right now they are 23. So that's four points of, of Kempom value you're getting just off of that, and then you are getting the emotional swing of well they're going to come out pissed, and uh, you know so that, that that's an angle where you can't maybe put a number on that, but 
it's certainly, you know, they're not going to come out sluggish after getting absolutely embarrassed on national television. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's what we'll be looking for. And uh, if you don't have anything else, Rob, I think that'd be it for the week. Uh, no, I'd like to let you know that uh, you finally maybe started paying attention to fantasy basketball. So you you would make the playoffs today. You're in sixth now. So so uh, so good work. Keep it up. I know you're you know staying real focused on it. I am focused. Mark Fultz had a triple double last night. He's from PG County. Um, yeah, I don't quit on my boys. And uh, they started slow, but um, I told you this is my league. This is my league, so it's not. It's just you have a day. chance to flip the narrative where I do good in the regular season, and you come back and crush me late. So that'd be nice for you. But look at you're in, you're fucking winning your your division. Your division sucks. Yeah, your but division I'm second overall, still great. Second, yeah, whatever. Who's John Cantor? He's doing great. Yeah, John. He's a professional poker player. God damn. Uh, he's a gangster. His wife is a high school basketball coach. She's pretty much who I want to be in like ten years. <laughs> well, shout out, John. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll see you and uh, everybody else next week. Peace.